Hey, Sarasota, it's Bob. So it's been a wonderful grind over the past 18 months. We've had some fabulous guests. We've produced over 150 episodes. and We've had over 10,000 listens from you wonderful folks in the greater Sarasota area. It's been a lot of fun, but also it's been a lot of work. And so we've decided to take a little bit of a break until this fall. When you check out other podcasts, you're going to see that most put out a new episode only once a week. We put out two, so of course that means there's twice the work. A lot of show notes, scheduling, guests, editing, etc., etc., etc. So we've decided to take a little break for the rest of the summer and we will resume this fall. And we'll let you know. But before I sign off, can you do me a little favor? Reach out to us via Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Drop us a little note. I'd like to know more about what you want to hear when we resume in the next couple of weeks. That'd be a big help because without you, dear listener, we would not exist. As always, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll be back soon where you can listen, learn, and connect. Good morning, Sarasota. This is the Sarasota Stories Podcast. E. Ramey is an ISS certified fitness and nutrition coach who does things a bit differently. As founder of DLA Personal Training and Nutrition Services, not only does E. design functional training routines for his clients, he also designs functional nutrition plans, but only after he checks out your hormones. As you'll find out, hormonal problems are much more common than most people think. Hi, I'm your host, Bob Williams, and in today's episode, you'll learn why our guest's name is only one letter, the very cool influence his father had on the naming of his business, the environmental factors that impact our health, why he encourages clients to get a blood test before working with him, why he actually likes to work with frustrated clients ready to give up on their fitness goals, and much, much more. Thank you for listening in today. It is my sincere hope you will listen, learn, but most importantly, connect. E. Ramey, founder of DLA Personal Training and Nutrition Services. Welcome to the Sarasota Stories Podcast. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to have you on, and I consider myself kind of as a a junior fitness kind of guy. I mean, I've written, I haven't written, I've read a lot about it and try to keep myself in decent shape over the years, going a whole harder, becoming a little bit harder the older I get, but uh, I'm always excited to have somebody from the fitness industry on here today. And we're going to get into what you do and how you do it, how you train people and some of the modalities that you use in your consultative services there and whatnot. But before we get into it, I get to ask you my favorite question, which is what's one thing that most people don't know about E. Ramey? Most people don't know that E is actually my first name. I was stuck with a one letter name. Um, So I have five older brothers. They actually have legit names, Um, but it went A, B, C, D. And then there was Dave Jr., my dad's name, and then his firstborn. And so E was the next letter. And, um, Eric, Ethan, Eli, you know, the thousand E names just didn't work. Uh, my dad was a huge, huge, well, still is a huge Elvis fan. And so they wanted to name, or he wanted to name me Elvis. And my mom was like, no, we're not doing that. That is so funny because I was going to ask you that because some people refer to Elvis as E. And so I just didn't know if that's where that came from. That's funny. It, it, it's interesting. You, you talk about all how your parents named you and whatnot. I grew up with a family and all, they had five kids and they all their names started with a B. There's Brenda, Barb, Beck, Bill, Bob. And it's just like 
Like, come on, parents. <laughs> Get a little more creative than that. <laughs> I think when you start having multiple, you start running out of names, so it's easier to just keep a pattern, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Well, you're actually the director of recreation wellness over at the Ringling College of Art and Design, but you do, but you have this service that you provide personal training nutrition services. And I'm curious, you know, give us a little bit about your background and what appealed to you about going this direction in your life with fitness and training. Yeah. So I was a three or four sport athlete my entire life up until college. Uh, when I got into college, I played club sports, I played intramurals, and kind of health got away from me. The physical activity was still there, but I didn't really have the the health side of it. And so I actually started working at the Campus Recreation Center because then I knew that I had to become more active in the gym again. And I was very used to going to the gym five, sure. six days a week because of, you know, being an athlete and then training in the you know off seasons and different things like that. And so I just kind of dove fully into transitioning my health. Um, I kind of lived that normal college lifestyle of, you know, going out on weekends and eating and doing whatever, you know, a normal college student would do. And then eventually I kind of had a wake up call and was like, I need to change this. And so actually uh, about probably eight years ago to this week, I kind of just woke up one day and was like, I'm going to start changing this. And so I actually set out a goal to compete in a bodybuilding uh, a bodybuilding show in October on my birthday. And so I just head down into it and I haven't stopped since really. I, I and I saw those pictures on your Facebook page. I mean, you were you were pretty jacked, man. I, I I'm envious. I really am. What does it take to get into shape like that? I mean, cuz I mean, what your body fat percentage was it's, it's I'm sure it's below 10% to get up there on stage, but what 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 does it take to get into that type of shape? Yeah, typically you're around 5ish is the probably the lowest body fat that you can get for a male. Um honestly, it's it takes a lot of work if you're starting out from scratch. When I first started this, I actually lost 6 uh roughly 50 pounds in 6 months. And oh, I man. didn't do it. I didn't do it properly. It was it wasn't a great kind of, you know, I was just running all the time and just live and learn. Yeah. Yeah. And since then, because of the consistency, it's made it a lot easier. Honestly, um, I can go into a full on prep now, whether it's with myself or even one of my clients who I've had for some time. And it's a lot easier to get closer to that route. Um, but yeah, if you're starting out complete green or complete, you know, just wanting to, you know, get to that, it takes a lot. It's, it's a lot of, um, I don't really, and it's kind of funny because I don't really believe in the motivation. I believe more in discipline because I think discipline mm. outweighs it. And I think that's honestly the biggest thing is having the discipline to just know you got something it's in tough. your mind six months from now. It's, yeah, yeah. Time. It's tough. It's tough because I mean, living in a first world, environment that we have here and everything at our disposal and the convenience factor. Um, I mean, we, we, we pay billions of dollars every year for convenience, convenient food. And, you know, I'm sitting in a nice plushy office chair right now and we were not meant to be sedentary. We weren't meant to, meant to eat the type of food that we typically, typically do. And it's interesting because you, you mentioned, you said it wasn't very good. I, I, I guess you call it a cutting phase, right? When you're, you're trying to get into shape one, because the, the challenge, if I'm not mistaken, is, to try and maintain your muscle mass while dropping the fat. Yes. And so you want to, and so that's why having a good caloric deficit and a good macro style plan. So protein, fats, carbs 
allows you to maintain that muscle. And so that's where a lot of people who just want to, you know, get into a cutting phase or lose weight, they typically just dive deep into a caloric deficit right. diet and right. they're just eating, you know, a thousand calories, 1200 calories, something like that, but they're not eating the proper amounts of protein. They're just looking at strictly calories. The macros. And yeah. Yep. And adding it, you know, having at about 0.8 to 1.2 of your body weight of protein is where you're really going to maintain. And you're also going to make a body transformation. So you, you might actually weigh the same. So your weight might not, you know, differentiate after a couple of weeks, but your body's going to look completely different because you're yes. gonna be putting on muscle as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned macros because the last couple of years I went to a plant-based diet, not, not strictly vegan, but plant-based and I'll tell you what, and I get the measurements and all sorts of just, you do lose muscle mass when you do not eat animal flesh. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I don't know how else to put it. And it's tough to get enough protein on a plant-based diet. I mean, you just have to be a lot more cognizant of what you're putting in your body. But enough, enough, enough about that. Enough about that. I'm curious about, I, I do want to get into the specialties that you you focus on and with the clients that you've worked with. But you, you're... Your company has an interesting name. It's DLA. What does DLA stand for? DLA, DLA Personal Training and Nutrition Services. Yeah. So DLA is don't let anyone. And so it's actually tattooed on the inside of my bicep if I post this, you know, to be visual. Um, <laughs> it's don't let anyone outwork you today. And so my dad would tell my younger sister and myself that before every practice, before every game, even before test and just different things like that, because he believes definitely in hard work and constantly pushing yourself to become good better. for dad. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm a firm believer of being a good person and hardworking. And so that's where I kind of led that. And so when I started thinking about what I wanted to name this, I could have, you know, called it Ramey Fitness or Florida Fitness or something, you know, sure. this, this, the typical kind of, you know, names. And then I started thinking, I was like, no, my dad is the main reason that I got really into this fitness lifestyle. I should pay homage to him and give back to him. So good for you, man. And, and, and to me, it's an extension of what you said earlier about it's more about discipline than kind of the temporary motivation that we see, you know, these, you know, these highfalutin uh, YouTube videos. And uh, it's really the discipline. I think that's an extension of it. Would you agree? Yes, oh, definitely. And that's, you know, everybody wants that, that quick, you know, style fix. And I understand that. I mean, it's, it's not fun when you, you know, want to change quickly and things are just, you know, going but as long as you continuously work, your body, your mind, just everything is going to start to understand that this is what, you know, it wants. Like you mentioned, we live in a, you know, very fast paced society where everything yeah. is, you know, media gratification too. Yeah. And so people want that because, you know, you order on Amazon and it's there that day. And you, so you expect the same thing when you start going to the gym or you start a diet that things are just going to happen. And so you have to have that discipline because it's easy to get the motivation to really start a program, but do you have the discipline to stick with it for more than a month and, you know, three months down the line and things like that? Fascinating. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Well, now, one of the things you specialize in is what's known as functional health. Now, I've heard of functional training, uh, but it seems like functional health is maybe a little broader uh, in how you are defining it. So, so what is functional health? So functional health really deals with hormones um, and the whole holistic aspect of hormones for a male, female. So that could be anything from thyroid, testosterone, PCOS, um, menopause, um, 
you know, going on TRT and, you know, finding ways to increase fertility, whether it's a male or female. And so there's a laundry list of things that deal with the the functional nutrition. And really, it just it has to dive into the hormonal aspect because your hormones interact with your body, you know, so much that we kind of forget about it. And so a lot of people develop these health problems that they don't really understand what's going on. And typically, and I think you even mentioned it in one of your previous, a lot of doctors, they don't really get the nutrition courses to really. They do not. It's they about don't. four hours, about four to six hours is the typical rate. And so they're basing their previous knowledge of what they learned and, you know, a short coursework to giving these, you know, um, programs to these people to try and get rid of these uh, hormonal issues. And typically, actually, they're going to cause even more hormonal issues. And that's kind of what I do is I help people kind of break off of that idea and improve those things through supplementation and nutrition. You know, I'm and I'm so glad that you're bringing that up because, you know, back in episode, I think it was episode four, I had a traditionally trained Western doctor on, Dr. Victoria Andersia. She and she has a she has a practice known as Healthful Roots, and she was disillusioned just like you with Western medicine because they don't Western medicine doesn't have anything does not incorporate such like biofeedback and nutrition. And I would agree. I just don't think they do the testing for the you know for the hormones. And it's good to see somebody out there such as yourself that is talking about these things. Because, you know, and again, I mentioned earlier that I went to a plant base and I just came to the realization that there are so many foreign substances that you do put in your body over a long period of time. It's just like, you know, and I had some some cardiovascular issues that came up. Well, that that built up, I'm convinced, you know, there are hereditary issues, but it built up over a period of decades. And I think, you know, some of it is is uh, has to deal with just some of these, um, I don't know chemical-based or petroleum-based products that end up uh, going through our system. So I could really see how that could affect our hormones. Yeah, your your endocrine system is is going to tell you, you know, something that's, you know, not right for you. And we live in a, you know, like you mentioned earlier, we live in a society where there's so many social, you know, interactions and, you know, things happening where you're going to feel more comfortable, you know, using that. And so you, you're you're not really going to think about it in terms of the health side, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of things. And so I'm actually trying to find it real quick, but there's a uh, estrogen generation is a great mm. book for a lot of people who are, say that again, estrogen, estro generation, estro generation, uh, Dr. Anthony J. Gay. Is that for um, guys or women or Anthony G. J. Um, uh, it's for both, honestly. And so, um, what it, what it entails is it explains kind of, harmful chemical products that we're, you know, putting into our body at a daily rate and explains kind of, you know, other options that you can use to, you know, get away from that because the more processed things that we're putting into our body, whether it's food or deodorant or, you know, soaps and different things like that, eating out of, you know, non-BPA plastic and things like that. It, Couldn't agree more. We're going to, you know, develop these health problems in addition to, you know, a high calorie diet or a high sugar diet, you know, different things like high that. fat diet. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. What is it? What is it? Salt, fat, sugar. Those are the three ones for the, all the things that I love. 
Yeah, <laughs> salt is a salt's a weird one um, because salt is super, you know, helpful to a lot of people. Um, the problem is, yeah, it's people who have hypertension or high blood pressure that, you know, sure. yeah, they got to stay away from it. But yeah, I mean, it does a lot for you. You know, it helps the blood um, blood travel better. Um, it can help, you know, during your workouts. And so it salt has that kind of and it's even kind of the same way with, fat, you know, a fat style diet because keto has became, you know, the recent craze in the last couple of years yeah. and things like that. And there's That's nothing new about keto. There isn't. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's been around for a while. And so it, but it's a high fat, you know, diet, but it, it has its, its benefits as well. It's, it's interesting. You, you bring up keto and I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but you know, when, when I was in college, you know, I bought all the, the muscle magazines. I was lifting heavy and all that sort of stuff. And of course there's a lot of gobbledygook in those things as well, but there was a guy and it was clear back in the forties. I still remember his name. His name was Vince Corona. And he was at Venice Beach in California, part of the bodybuilding scene and whatnot. But he 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 was he was one of the original paleo guys. Mm-hmm. And you know, he said, "No, you get your energy from fat." And so he's all about eggs and meat, and you know, minor on the carbohydrates. So it's just like you know, there's nothing new underneath the sun. So all these different fads fads going through. You know, you talk a little bit about kind of the functional health aspect of it, We're dealing with hormones. Um, what about functional training? Because functional training is different than other types of training. So what is that? And then how have you used it with some of your clients? Yeah. So functional training for me is it's a breakdown of kind of who the client is. And what I mean is I'm not going to give the same training to a 50 year old mom of three that I'm going to give to a 20 year old college student. And obviously that makes sense. But what I mean is I'm not going to give the same sets and reps and cardio and different things like that. And we're obviously going to focus more on, especially for a lot of people who are, you know, older, they just want to feel better. They don't really care about, you know, building the proper muscle or anything, but they just want to be able to play sure. with their grandkids or play with yeah. their kids or, you know, pick up the bag of mulch and different get things up like off that. the floor. <laughs> and, so, and so that's where strength training and functional training comes into play for a lot of people is, yeah, I mean, osteoporosis is a, you know, it's a real thing because your bones are just, you know, slowly deteriorating. And so the more you can do to constantly become that able body person as you go through your life, I think is the best thing. Now, functional training for a lot of my, you know, younger clients or people that are, you know, wanting to become, you know, healthier, leaner, different things like that. Yeah, they're going to be doing high intensity cardio. They're going to be doing the Stairmaster for, you know, 20 minutes and right. things like that to become a, you know, to get that bo- that goal body that they want. Whereas somebody who's older, I might just have them walk 5,000 steps a day because they were only walking 500 the day, you know, the weeks before. So so you would have a whole lot more patience than I would, particularly if you get somebody in who maybe it's an older client or somebody who's never worked out or whatnot, and they don't know the difference between, you know, like a real muscle tear and lactic acid, which is the soreness that you experience in your muscles because you've overworked it and they, you know, they whine and they complain. I, I recently had a, a joint replacement a couple of years ago and I went to therapy and, you know, and they love me in there because I had experience in the gym and I knew how to lift and they'd say, yeah, just do these five pieces, these five movements and you're, you're gone. And then there was this, there's a other gal in there and she would whine and complain and they had to hold her hand and tell her what to do. And she said, I'm just, and so you, so, so you're a godsend to people that may not know really how to exercise and, and need somebody like you to, to kind of walk them along there. You know, the, the other thing, it's like you were talking, I'm thinking about functional training. It's like, I, 
at my age, so I'm in my 60s, and so I do enjoy just going in on machines. And so I use the machines. I typically don't use too many free weights because I like balancing stuff and everything. So a couple years ago, I decided to do a um, a save save a few hundred bucks. I put mulch in my own yard, right? I didn't hire anybody to do it. So I had to go out and get 55, 40-pound bags of mulch. And so I had to carry those suckers all around the yard. And so you know, I thought I was in really good shape. And I was, you know, you know, good muscle for my for my age and whatnot. But I'll tell you what, there that was functional training, lifting those all around the yard there. And it's a lot different than doing like these, you know, isolated movements, uh, kind of in a um, you know, just you know, in, in a single plane of motion there, and yeah. uh, I think that that's really important is the functional training to be able to do whatever you're going to be doing in life, you know, get them in that position to where they can do it and just not, you know, next morning they're moaning and groaning because you can't get out of bed. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I've actually helped a couple people, whether it was for the police academy, for the FBI, for absolutely fire, fire cool. training, you know, because they don't really, I mean, yeah, obviously they want to be a healthier, better looking person, but. They need to train to be able to, you know, to do that, to pass that physical test. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are they, do you know if there's any requirements for the for departments the, that they have yeah. to, they have to pass certain things? Yeah. Yeah. A uh, mile and a half run, um, I believe in oh, wow. either 15 or 17 minutes. Um, they got to do, I think it's a hundred pushups in yep. two minutes, I think is what it is now. Um, and then 50 pull-ups. Um, I don't remember what the time frame is on that. But then for the police academy as well, you have to drag the body, yeah. um, get it over the the little uh, tabletop, essentially, um, okay. and then drag it another 50 yards back from that. Um, for fire safety training or you know, to be a firefighter, it's kind of the same way. Um, you have to be able to pull the bodies. You have to be able to lift them over. So it's it, it's not as right. dangerous as you know a, a military one. But right, I've Army, Navy, people, yeah, yeah. I've helped people before they went into to boot camp as well, just to kind of kickstart their training program because obviously boot camp's going to do it for them. But that way they had a little, you know, a little tidbit to get into it. What What do you think about um, CrossFit? I don't have a problem with CrossFit. I think CrossFit's actually a really good thing because of the functional training side. Because like you said, you're picking up, you know, 30, 40 pound bags of mulch and moving them around. You're not typically doing that in the gym. Typically in the gym, you're laying down and you're doing three sets of bench for, you know, six reps or whatever. I think the only problem with CrossFit is typically there's not a lot of instruction going into it. And that's where CrossFit kind of gets that bad reputation of, oh, people get injured all the time doing CrossFit and things like that. It's like, well, if you have a good understanding of going into the gym, you're not going to get injured at, you know, CrossFit. Right, you might get lactic right. acid and burnout and things like that, but you're not going to get any type of real injury. But it's the same way as well. If you go into the gym and you don't know what you're doing and you try and, you know, squat wrong or something like right. that, you're, you're going to get injured. So it's kind of the same thing, in my opinion. Talk a little bit about that. Somebody who is listening to this episode and maybe they are not gym savvy. How do you take them through the movements so that they don't get hurt? Yeah, so it's it's funny you mentioned that because we what you were talking about earlier. My favorite thing about a client or my favorite style of client is somebody who's on the brink of just giving up. I think that's the best person for me. Great point. Because I like you said, I I have no problem starting with somebody who is lost or green or you know whatever you consider it. But for me, it's it's all about just going through a training session to show them the proper form. 
Um, I'm never going to give anybody a full on workout plan and not show them. And it's the same thing for my online clients. Whenever I get an online client who doesn't really have any background, I'll record myself doing every single workout with a breakdown of how to do this specific workout and I'll send it to them. And then that way they can, you know, ask me questions as well leading up to the workout and, you know, Hey, where should my feet placement be? How should my hands be different things like that? Because yeah, a lot of people, I mean, I was the same way. I'm, you know, in high school for sports, it was basically bench, squat, deadlift. That was the only Yeah, thing, of course. You know, yeah. Powerlifting. And, yeah. And then, yeah, you said you start looking at muscleandfitness.com or muscle fitness and it's like three sets of incline bench press and two sets. And it's like, I don't know how to do any of that stuff. So, you know, for me, I dove fully into YouTube and bodybuilding.com and things like that. But a lot of people right. don't want to do that. They just want right. to show them. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing is having somebody dive fully deep into helping somebody is, you know, what can really change that motivation into, you know, determination or discipline because now they have the tools to, you know, really go. It's interesting. You say that somebody, people want to have somebody who can just kind of like show them. There's a famous uh, YouTuber and media guy out there. His name's Gary Vaynerchuk. And, uh, he's, he's, he's quite the personality if you've never listened to him or whatnot, but he, he's quite successful, but he says he hates working out, but because he wants to live into his eighties and nineties and be healthy doing it, you know, he's, and he has the means. I mean, he has a guy that meets him, a trainer at, uh, meets him at his gym every morning and he puts it in. He's, but he's, he is very adamant about the fact he goes, I hate working out and but he just needs that encouragement he needs that direction and uh i've been it's, it's really funny to listen to him talk about it but so talk, you know talk about the accountability aspect of it that has really i i guess in my life i've worked with a couple of different trainers when i've lived different parts around the country and when you hire somebody to help you they're there you're accountable and most people take seriously what they pay for. So so talk about how important that is for the person who is really trying, who, who's again, who's kind of given up. And Yeah, to have somebody there constantly working with you is is huge. Um, and that's even from my my perspective, I have a coach because I need somebody to keep me accountable as well, because obviously with you know, we talked about it in kind of the pre-show. I'm, I'm up to three jobs now. So the last thing I can really think about is creating my own fitness plan and my own diet and things like that. So to have somebody kind of help me out has been tremendous. Wow. And so I think, honestly, a coach, having a coach is a great thing. And I think it's the same thing because now we know how to help people in the same sense. And so I think that's the big thing is having somebody who is, you know, there for you. And like you said, yeah, people are spending money. So they want you to show up and have that same drive to change their life as much as they want to change their own life. You know, what I found interesting when I was doing my research in your face, one of your Facebook posts, you said some people are reticent. They're, they're hesitant to make the investment in training, in their fitness, and they really don't look at it as, as an investment. And it's, it's interesting because I know like LeBron James, of course, you know, he's an all-star and he's, he's Hall of Famer and, and very wealthy guy. But I know he spends $1.5 million a year on his body. 
There's another guy that I followed for a number. His name's James Harrison. He's since retired from the NFL. He's an extraordinary story, but he he spent like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Now, of course, these guys make five, six, seven, eight, you know, ten or thirty million dollars a year. I understand that, but in proportion to maybe what somebody else's uh, level of living, what they make and whatnot, uh, I, I'm surprised that more people don't see kind of the preventive aspect of taking care of themselves and bringing a coach in when they need it. I mean, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I, I wholeheartedly believe that your body is in a, uh, is more of an investment than you think it is. And I think the biggest problem is our healthcare system has allowed it to kind of grow into that mold. Um, and what I mean is pills are being thrown around with no problem. Um, and we make money. Exactly. And so we look at that because they are a doctor and they have, you know, that degree and things like that, that that's what's going to fix us. Well, it might just mitigate what's going on. Um, and same thing, like you have a thyroid issue, you're given level thyroxine or cysteine or something like that. And you're given that pill and you're hoping that that's going to fix your thyroid issue. Eh, it might not. But at the same time, you might be spending $50 for a month of a pill or you can invest $100 a month and, you know, fix your entire health. And people see it as, you know, why would I spend money on, you know, going to the gym and eating a proper diet and all these different things if a pill is going to help me get the same way for, you know, maybe half the cost. Yeah, and that's, that ain't happening. <laughs> that not is happening. not happening. As much as we want, you know, that fat loss and weight loss and, you know, hormone help all through a supplement, it's just it's not there. And that's actually so there's a, a new um, supplement that's been coming out called semaglutide. And it's essentially a weight loss style drug. Um, and it's an injectable, um, into the stomach. And a lot of people see that. And then it, I was one of the Kardashians or the Jenners and they shared it and they're like, I lost 20 pounds doing it. So it, like, it actually became a shortage of semaglutide because so many people were wanting to go and just buy that and lose the weight. And it was made for people who are, you know, obese and, you know, right, needed right. to have that. 20, 30 pound kind of kickstart, not which is know, 50% of the American population is obese. It is. Yep. Yeah. It's growing. Um, and so yeah. 60% of uh, Americans currently have some type of underlying health condition. Sure. And, and, you know, since COVID, we've, you know, especially noticed that is it's, you know, gotten even worse because people were more sedentary because they weren't going out and doing things. And so, yeah, obesity, underlying health conditions, all these different things, people want just that simple quick fix like we talked about earlier. And, you know, it's it's kind of it's an odd process. And I'll dive back kind of into my fitness journey of doing this and how I even got into the functional. I had low testosterone. My thyroid was essentially gone. My estrogen was through the roof um, and I was 26 years old. And wow. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, so the typical range in, in terms of typical range is 300 to 1000 milligrams of testosterone. Realistically, it's 700 to 1,000 is the optimal range. I was at 217 at 26 years old. So at 50, my, or at, uh, let's see, my dad was 65. His was at 585. So he was 30 plus years old or you know, almost 40 years older than me. Way to go, dad. And his was double. <laughs> and so we're actually seeing a massive um, drop and decline of testosterone. I have read that. I have read that. What, what do we, and, and is, there a, is there a reason? Have we found out the reason why, or is it just the kind of the toxic 
substances that we get from the environment we live in, the Western yeah, diet it, and all that sort of jazz? It's a little bit of everything. Um, we're starting to notice that um, the endocrine system is what's really, you know, causing that, whether it's they're eating tons of plastic or they're keeping their laptops or their phones on their legs and, you know, different things like that. It, you know, I've heard of that. It's a cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. The radiation. And, so, and then, um, you know, head injuries, you know, so head injuries became more pr- predominant in sports. Um, I had multiple concussions. Um, oh. and so that drops down the, um, pituitary, uh, pituitarian gland. Sorry. I can't say it right now. Pituitary. Um, yeah. 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 Yes. Um, and so that drops it down. And so when it's dropping through your LH and FSH, um, that's where you're going to not develop the proper testosterone, um, production. Interesting. And so, yeah. So, I mean, that's, it, it was, and then honestly, the biggest thing and right now is severe caloric di- diets are causing a lot of the hormone problems because what do you so, mean by severe? So, um, I had a 490 pound client the other day send me their diet plan and they were eating 1200 calories. That's essentially what a 10 year old should be, you know, eating. And so, yeah. And so that's, and that's the thing is that when we looked at their blood work, um, because I look at all of my clients' blood work to kind of see what's going on hormonally, um, there was a lot of, a lot of issues that we need to fix by essentially feeding the person up and giving them more calories. And they were going to lose weight because eventually their body was going to adjust to that new calorie, but they were also going to start to have a better operating thyroid. Their testosterone was going to get up Their, you know, cortisol and estrogen was going to drop down. And so I think that's the big thing is these low calorie diets are, you know, they sound great and all because they will make you lose the weight, but then you're going to have just, you know, excess of, you know, potential hormonal um, problems. But the question is, what kind of weight is it? I mean, you were talking earlier as you're getting cut up for your show that, you know, you dropped a lot of muscle and these diets can do the same thing, you know, instead of doing, you know, tons of cardio and whatnot. But that's the question. I've always hated the term losing weight. You don't want to lose weight. You want to lose the fat. Yeah. So that's and the, uh, the, I didn't know that. That's really fascinating. Yeah, the weight late the weight loss um you know phase has you know constantly drove on because people see the number on the scale and they think that determines who and what they are. And it honestly doesn't. Um and the problem is they see that number and they're discouraged. And that's where they look at it like, well, if I just lost 10 pounds, I'd feel better. It's like, well, if you lose 10 pounds and you lose 10 pounds of, you know, five pounds of fat and five pounds of muscle, you're gonna look pro- you know, potentially worse. So why wouldn't you just lose the five pounds of fat, but keep the five pounds of muscle and only lose five pounds? And then they get discouraged because they only lost five pounds in a month instead of losing 10 pounds, which was their goal. So so, so give me a scenario. I still need to drop some weight. I got 20 pounds I got to get rid of. So, so let's just kind of do a uh, bit of a role play here, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I come to you and you got a 62-year-old client. He's... I say gym savvy, (laughs) but okay. So I want to drop the 20 pounds there and let's say my, I don't know, my maintenance caloric intake is, you know, I don't know, 3,200 calories or whatnot. What would be some of the things that you would coach me on to help me lose that 20 pounds of fat? Give give me kind of a broad strokes. Yeah. So first I would look at your, your previous diet history. So I would have you track everything that you've eaten to showcase what that 3,200 calories entails. Is that like with pen and paper or 
Do we have uh, an app I, for I that? I typically use either MyFitnessPal or FatSecret. Fat cool. Secret yeah, I know MyFitnessPal. Yeah. Yeah. So um, MyFitnessPal is a good one. FatSecret has actually became the newest um, kind of one because it gives you more of a breakdown and you can actually put specifically the amounts of everything in. MyFitnessPal right. was great for a while, but it needs kind of a massive sure. upgrade. And they're actually, they have a, a position available to do that through MyFitnessPal. So um, so you have me track my food, yeah? Yes. Um, and then we will dive into your current slash previous workout history. Um, so then we'll see where that's going. And then I have all of my clients get their blood work done. And so that way I can see if there's any hormonal issues that we can fix with supplementation as well. And Interesting. so that's where I dive kind of into a whole aspect. And then even then, after our first kind of consultation, check-in, all that different things. I'll look at your sleep. I'll look at your hunger. I'll look at your recovery, your energy, your digestion, um, and kind of in your sleep and see what's going on and see what changes we need to make. Because if I'm overworking you and you're stressed out of your mind and you're not sleeping, and you're not going to the bathroom, we got to switch it up, you know, tremendously. And so it comes down to a whole kind of holistic aspect because yeah, I could tell you, you know, if you're eating 3,200 calories, let's just drop it down to 1,500. You're probably going to lose, you know, 10 pounds in a couple But now would you, now you say <laughs> drop it down. So, so, I mean, you're talking more than 50% of my caloric intake, but, but was that over a period of time that you drop yeah, it well, down? And, I, and I, I meant that kind of in a, in a joking way of, you know, if, oh. if your only goal was 20 pounds, yeah, you could just cut it your calories in half and probably lose. But you would want to start at 3,200, go down to 30, not, you know, thir- or 3,000, then go down to 2,500 and, you know, kind of go down. And honestly, you, the main goal is to keep your calories as high as they can while still losing weight. Right. And whenever something happens and it, you stall out or you've hit like kind of a stalling point, you pull them down a little bit because you don't want to go too low. I mean, realistically, you should still be over 2000 calories and still losing right. weight. The problem is a lot of people are eating 1200 calorie diets. So you got to build them up to the 3200 and then bring them back down. What, what about the intermittent fasting craze right now? It has benefits. Um, I typically use it for three different things. One, for energy because of the autophagy that it has the ability to do. What is autophagy? It's, I'm trying to think of the best way. Essentially, it's. It's self-eating, I think is the term, right? It's it self-eating. And so yeah. you're using your body's energy source to, you know, become more energized, essentially. Right. Um, and so it, it wakes you up, it keeps you in a constant flow. Um, and so if somebody's really struggling to kind of get their days in a constant routine, I use it a lot because that allows them to have that constant routine of I'm awake, I'm energized at this hour through this hour, and then I eat and I go to the gym and different things like that. But also people who can't control their eating habits at night. If you know that you can't eat after 9 p.m. and that's, I'm raising my hand. That's a rough <laughs> one for me. And that's that's a lot of people. And so I think that's the big thing as well. If you have like a, a noon to eight window or a one to nine window and you tell yourself, I can't have anything else, then you're you're more likely to, you know, cut out those extra calories you might have been eating. And then the last one is digestion. When you allow your body to kind of have that eight hour window, if you have um SIBO or leaky gut or any type of digestive style issue, having a routine of this is when I eat, your body gets regulated to that. So then you're, you know, you're not going to be as bloated. You're going to be able to go to the bathroom. I know it's an odd topic to talk about, but that's what allows people to kind of have that routine instead of having these digestive issues. 
It is. And it is a routine. I will say I typically do not eat before noon and I typically don't eat after eight o'clock. So the 16 hour, what do you call a 16 hour feeding window or what? No, eight hour feeding window. And uh, I grew up with the, you know, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And um, I'm not, I'm not saying Sunday buffet doesn't get me every once in a while, but <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because breakfast is break a fast. And so it could be sure. at, you know, it could be at noon or it could be at, you know, 7am. Right. It's just, yeah, a lot right. of people, you know, they wake up at seven, eight, and then they have a bowl of cereal and a banana and then they're eating all day. And then at night they're, you know, watching TV with chips and popcorn and things like that. And it's, you know, it's a That's whole day. Yeah. yeah. And so if they could, if, you know, if they could drop out 250, 500 calories by not eating, then yeah, me, I like to eat. So I'm going to eat as soon as I pretty much wake up. So, you know, I, I think by far it is the nutrition and the food and the caloric intake that is the most difficult part of fitness. To me, it's not the exercises because, you know, and typically and they bring you in as a trainer, obviously you're going to be there you develop relationships with your client. They actually look forward to seeing you and what you're going to do. But once you get there and the endorphins kick in because you're you're breaking a sweat and all that, that to me is much easier than as you say, you go home at night and maybe you're you're thinking about the you know the terrible headline that you read today, and it's at night and you're looking for some uh, you know for lack of a better term, you're kind of acting out with some type of addictive behavior there. Yeah. So I, I shared it as one of my posts probably last week or week before. Diet is king, workout is queen, and then cardio is kind of like the joker. It has its, you know, it has its. I perks, like that. Um, because diet is the, the number one thing that you kind of should be focused on. Um, obviously going to the gym, you're going to make that body transformation. You're going to build that lean muscle. You're going to become a healthier, mobile, you know, person. But yeah, you can go to the gym seven days a week and still eat a terrible diet. And sure. you, you can't outwork a bad diet is kind of the old, you know, phrase, but it is true. And so I think that's where a lot of people freak out because they think whenever they go into a diet or any type of meal plan or anything like that, it's going to be chicken, broccoli, and rice all day, every day. And it's like, no, 80% of the time you should be eating you know, healthy. 20% have that free meal, have that, you know, Korean barbecue, have that sushi, have that burger, you know, things like that. It allows people to become more adherent. To it. And I think the adherence is the biggest thing, whether it's diet or workout and having something you like doing, because it's not really that fun to, you know, like you said, once you get to the gym and you get moving, it's very easy, but it's tough. You know, if you've worked 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. to go to the gym at 5 15, it's, you know, you have it to is. have something it is. you enjoy doing or have, you know, that massive discipline to do it. People have the financial stresses on them and relational stresses and whatnot. And so we act out in different ways. And I think that that's, I think you bring up a really important point. You know, it, it, it's interesting. And, and I told you sometimes I'll hop on YouTube and watch, you know, some weightlifting or bodybuilding thing before I go to the gym so I can get fired up. But, but I, there was a, there was a guy on there. His name was Kai Green. I still remember his name. I think he's a retired bodybuilder, but he's what he was at the very tops. You know, he's in the Mr. Olympia and all that sort of jazz. And, and so he, they, it was a mini documentary they did on him. They're walking around with Kai and he's showing how he buys his food and how he packages it up. And he's kind of talking about his philosophy and his routine and whatnot. And he said something I thought was really interesting. He's actually goes into some secondhand store and they're buying, um, you know, Tupperware, these plastic containers keep his food in. 
And he kind of turns to the camera. He says, now, he says, believe it or not, he says, this is one of the places that some of my competitors lose it. They don't really segregate their food. They don't know ahead of time what they're going to eat and when they're going to eat it. And it was like some of these little things that we do to kind of sabotage our progress. And I'll say on a, on a, on a personal level, you know, I've been guilty of that. You know, I can stress eating, going and wolf down a bunch of this, that, or the other, you know, after I've, you know, kind of cut my calories for the day. Uh, but it's just, as again, it's just like that immediacy and that immediate gratification that we have. What do you, so how do you coach people then going forward? Because, you can take them through the hoops. You can take them, you can coach them and you have the knowledge and you have the expertise to help them with, you know, their hormonal imbalances and teaching them how to lift. What about the environment that you go back to? Yeah. That's so, tough because you're talking about behavioral change. Yeah. And so it's, it's actually funny you mentioned that because if I know kind of what their lifestyle is, which is why I ask so many questions in a consult interview or even as they become a client, I'm not going to be having them go to the gym and do an hour style workout if they have a massive meeting the next day or a massive meeting that day, because I know when they go home, they're going to be, you know, I I look at stress kind of like a roller coaster. It's supposed to have its ups and downs. But if you're stressed out all day, then you go to the gym and you crush a workout and you do cardio, your stress hasn't had a chance to come down. And Mm. so then when you get home, yeah, you're going to want the bad food or you're going to want to go, you know, have a drink or, you know, things like that. And that's a, a drink. Yeah. I'll I'll be nice (laughs) and say one. Um, but that's that, I think that's the biggest thing is understanding my client's lifestyle is the big thing. And then, yeah, I tell a lot of my clients as well, you know, especially during football season, if you're going to sit around and watch football all day, throw the chicken in the oven, throw the rice into the pot, you know, cook it while you're watching some same thing. We all love Netflix or Hulu or Sling or whatever it is. Cook something while you're watching something. And it, you know, then right. that will allow you to have that food in house. And it's tough because when you've spent money on the food, you cook the food. Now it's time to eat the food. And that's yeah. where it, you know, you don't want to be wasting money, especially in a, you know, times like today. Yep. 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 Boy, I've been there many, many times. And I hope, hope my listeners can are shaking their heads. Yeah. I've been there as well. So. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. So if so, somebody wants to reach out to you, who do you like? Who would you want to reach out to you? Say, like, if you're somebody, you're on the verge of giving up, is that the person you want to contact you? Yeah, person who's on the verge of giving up, or especially if you've tried all these random diets or, you know, you've tried multiple trainers and things just haven't worked out as planned. Um, I love taking people and kind of seeing what happened and why it happened. Weight loss resistance has became kind of the new thing. And so a lot of people just feel like no matter what I do, I can't lose weight. Well, right. there's there's a way. It's just you really have to dive deep into what's going on. And that's honestly what I try and do the best is figure out why these things haven't worked out. So I think those are probably the two biggest people that I look for is somebody who is just completely lost and just ready to give up or somebody who's tried constantly and just needs to find you know that final fix to you know see what's going on. Well, E. Ramey, it's been a pleasure having you on the Sarasota Stories podcast. E can be reached at 941-323-6990, or he has a Gmail account, and that is don't let anyone at gmail 
You can reach him there, or you can find him on Facebook. What? Let's see. What's your Facebook? Don't let anyone PT personal training, right? Yes. That's great. That's great. Well, E, I listen. I appreciate you being on the show. Anything else you want to leave us with before we say goodbye? No. Um. You know, really, we talked about it earlier. Your health is an investment. I think that more people need to dive in to fixing what's going on, and I think that's the best way to make that transition because then you can become better friend, better person, better worker, husband, father, mother, wife, whatever it is. And I think investing in your health is the biggest thing that you can do. I couldn't agree more. Take care of yourself first. That way you can take care of other people. So, well, it's been a pleasure to meet you, even if it is virtually. And I hope to have you back on the show sometime in the future. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. And don't hesitate to reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. E, you have a wonderful day. Hello, dear listeners. This is Bob again. Thank you so much for stopping by. I sure hope you enjoy listening to our interviews as much as we do providing them. If so, would you do me a little favor? Go to sarasotastories.co and enter in your email. That way you'll get notifications of all upcoming episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember, no matter where you go, to listen, learn, and connect.